This is the CU 2.0 podcast with your host, Robert McGarvey. Big new ideas about credit unions. Big new ideas about credit unions. CU 2.0 podcast. Welcome to part two of the CU 2.0 dialogue on the NCUA's proposed rule changes pertaining to loan participation and related topics. The part one podcast featured Kirk Drake wearing his Quillo hat and Boris Aquilo co-founder. There's a link to that show on the show notes. In the show notes, too, is a link to NCUA's lengthy proposed rule changes. That same link includes a box for submitting comments. As you will hear in this new show, round two, both Kirk Drake and Brian Lauer, a Pennsylvania lawyer who also is an attorney for NACUSO, the trade association for many CUSOs, are urging credit union universe people to file comments. Lauer has prepared draft comments in the rule. There's a link in the show notes to his draft. Use this as a starter for your own comments and get them in by February 28th. These rules, to repeat, are intended to bring about substantial changes in the credit union world's loan participations. Very possibly big winners will be small and medium-sized credit unions. Fintechs, too, may come out way ahead. Are there things to worry about in the proposal? Aren't there always? But to get the full story, listen up. What's the NCUA trying to do with this proposed rule regarding participation? So the proposed rule is actually not just participations. It's it's um, some amendments to the lending rule, the participation rule, and then the eligible obligation rule. And ultimately, what they're attempting to do is two things. One, with the lending and loan participation rule, they are attempting to clarify some of the aspects of those rules around indirect lending, which is an age-old process that credit unions have used, wherein they are purchasing loans from like a most most traditionally a retailer, like you know a dealer, a car dealership, or something like that. And so they're those rules were were somewhat informal over the years and through interpretations that were here and there in the NCUA's you know, documentation, but now they're just codifying all of that into the regulations, which is helpful. It really adds some clarity. And then the eligible obligation rule, which is where we're seeing a lot of the real changes, the fundamental changes to the rules. What they're doing there is essentially attempting to make the purchasing and selling of loans more efficient, especially when purchasing from a third-party originator like a fintech or a QSO. So that's really what they're trying to accomplish with these rules. And that last bit, doesn't that open up options for medium-sized credit unions that perhaps no one would have thought to call to ask if they wanted to participate? Yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly right, Robert. So, so one of the things they're doing here is making it easier for the larger credit unions that may be more likely to develop third-party relationships with, like, uh, uh, you know, a fintech or a QSO um, for the origination of of lo- or to purchase origina- uh, originated loans. But now the mid and small size credit unions have the flexibility to purchase those loans from a federally insured credit union without regard to membership, which will be really, really helpful for smaller and mid-sized credit unions to be able to have access to some of these lending markets they otherwise were having difficulty getting getting a hold of. And and conversely, that smaller mid-sized credit union 
can seek participation on a loan that they're originating that they think is too big to have on their books. You know, it could be a million dollar house, for instance, which for That's a small credit right. union seems awesome. You know, it's just beyond, you know, we can't imagine this. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's and it's going to make the facilitation of all these kinds of of examples you're giving, uh, you know, much more, much more efficient and easier. Essentially, as I like to say, you're sort of taking the friction out of uh, or, or unnecessary friction out of the process that's there today. Now, is there anything not to like in those several dozen pages that NCOA has online? Well, I, actually, I, I guess I would start. In, in in very short and say there's nothing that I don't like about this rule. So I really am uh, advocating and hoping that it gets passed as quickly as possible. That said, um, some may look at uh, the clarifications around indirect lending and be concerned about those definitions. Um, it, you know, some are concerned that the NCUA may take a more stricter approach to uh, determining whether the credit union is making the credit decision or not. Um, so that's that's something to certainly look at. Uh, in addition to that, currently under the rules, in order to purchase a loan from another credit union or another third party, really from whatever source, there's not really any kind of required or 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 mandated due diligence that you need to put in place. Essentially, it falls to the institutions to determine their own due diligence. Now, I don't see this as really that big of a downside, but the NCUA is putting in more of a principled approach to, to uh, conducting your due diligence. What I mean by that is they're not prescribing how to do it, but they're certainly wanting to see credit unions do, by regulation, do more due diligence on the third parties they're dealing with. So some may see that as a concern as well. Well, that that seems to me to be essentially an extension, if you will, of what NCUA has been telling credit unions about their relationship with tech vendors for at least 10 years. Hey, well, dude, it's responsible to you. It's your responsibility to check these people out. Don't tell us they screwed up and it's not your fault. It is. No, that's absolutely right, which is why I don't see it as a huge issue, but I would I would recommend that maybe credit unions look at how they're outlining that safety and soundness application in the in the proposed rule because there may be there may be some some revisions on the margins for that that credit unions may see you know they see this more operationally than I do and I really see these provisions as an operational concern. Kirk, you you've joined us now. Who are you representing today? <laughs> well, I'm just going to be myself. Yeah. Oh, this is this is Kirk Drake, man of a thousand identities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's actually it's funny you say that because I I am absolutely struggling with like a core branding issue of the winery, stand up comedy, uh, CU 2.0, fintech, and now Quillo going. All right, this is getting a little ridiculous. Even for Kirk, you're going to have to come up with different uh, accents. Like when you're when you're Kirk <laughs> from Quillo, you speak with an Irish accent. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do I'll do Boris. I'll do my Boris impression. <laughs> my other thought was to have different outfits for each one, but even that gets confusing. And you come yeah. with outfits so many times a day. Hey, Kirk, really just, you know, think, think, think like a stand up guy or think like an actor. All you need is a different hat. Yeah, I, I, that also occurred to me. Five different hats. But yeah, no. And, and uh, so, yeah, so, so no, today I'm representing, I think, CU2, really kind of our advocacy of this as well of, you know, we work with a ton of fintechs. We've seen firsthand the, 
the challenge of getting these loans into smaller financial institutions uh, and, and firsthand in, in my career, having worked at some of these institutions where you know, you're, what we'd like to believe is that we're always putting our members' interests first, but in reality, the regulatory environment and, and how regulators work in terms of ratios and all those things essentially means that when there's a large macroeconomic shift or the treasury starts printing money or contracting money, it trickles down to community financial institutions in a very hands-on way that causes them to uh, have to deal with their balance sheet over members' interest first. And what might have been a credit union that had great deposit rates suddenly becomes a credit union that has you know, uh, much more aggressive loan rates and suddenly isn't paying for its deposits. And you know, that causes a lot of confusion in terms of trying to build a long-term term brand uh, out there when you're, when you're shifting in the kind of economic winds. And that's a problem that Bank of America, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, none of those guys have to deal with that because they have enough business and enough sources of to um, get get rid of loans and or deposits, et cetera, that they're able to play both sides of that much more effectively. And it makes it really difficult for community financial st- institutions to compete. And so that's where I think, you know, something like this set of rules really begins to even that playing field a bit. Do you sense that fintechs realize there are opportunities for them? In this rule, I would guess the vast majority of fintechs don't don't even realize that what this that this that, is that's a, a my set of sense. Quillum yeah. gets it, but I'm I'm not I'm not getting a lot of email saying no. Hey, talk to us. We're we're really going to dive on this participation thing. In fact, other than from you and Quillo, I haven't gotten any. Yeah, no. I mean, I would think on, that, on the fintech side. Yeah, so. there's probably about a dozen fintechs that are you know you take the upgrades, the upstarts, the uh, Amures, you know, et cetera, that are actively moving participations into the ecosystem. You know, th- that group is going to be much, much more aware of it. But, but it's working for them now, anyway. So, you know, they, I think this gets it kind of at the next level, and then stitch together some random collection of things that make this work. It's, it's much more obvious, right? And it's, and it's much easier for Brian or I to go out and talk to these guys and say, hey, look, here's an opportunity, and it's not going to take. 400 pages of legal docs and you know 18 legal opinions to pull it off anymore well, i think well, that the I, more it, fintechs to get involved the better yeah and if i could jump in too i think uh cusos have a real opportunity you know putting my nacuso hat on or jacket on or irish accent on whatever it be <laughs> I, I think uh cusos have a really big opportunity here to help be the conduit or gateway for a lot of these fintechs. And this rule and its changes is going to allow for that to be much more efficient. You know, under the current rules, if a CUSO wants to be the gateway for that, they have to constantly be worrying about, you know, uh, am I going to be able to sell this loan? Am I going to, do I have to participate this loan? What what do I do with this loan once once I'm the gateway to the fintech world for this loan, you know, to, to get this to the credit union space? And this rule will, will truly, Robert, make it more efficient for a CUSO to go out, develop relationships with one or many fintechs to be sort of the forward flow for those fintechs and then have the CUSO handle all the operational requirements that it needs in order to get those loans into the credit union industry. And I think that's a fantastic aspect of this rule that uh, that maybe not everybody realizes now, but in a year from now, they will and they'll be really excited. And that's exactly what I was going to ask you. How aware are CUSOs that this is a potential opportunity for them, even though if yesterday they had no business and participation? And I think it's a great point. I think 
ad hoc, I get a lot of calls, uh, you know, here at Messick, Lauer and Smith, you know, putting my other hat on, we get a lot of calls from folks that don't understand, well, folks in the industry and outside the industry that say, what the heck is going on with these rules? How do they work? I don't get them. And, you know, it takes a while for me to explain it and they still don't get it because they're a little bit obtuse. And I think these changes will help to, 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 to make them less opaque and easier to use. But the awareness, Robert, to your question, I don't know that it is there. I think we've been advocating in the trade association and with some larger groups of credit unions for these kinds of changes so that we can, once they're made, go out into the broader financial services industry and make everybody aware that credit unions are easier to work with now than they were before. Do you see this as a topic of conversation at GAC? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I will tell you with NACUSO and the regulatory advocacy group at NACUSO, we will meet with all of the NCUA board members because this is a proposal right now and the comment period will be ending during GAC. Um, on The comment period ends on February 28th. So during GAC, we will meet with all the board members as well as many of the other trade associations and the like. And this will be uh, item number one on our list to make sure that we're advocating strongly to get this across the finish line and finalized. Kirk, at your end, do you expect to get conversations about participation in this rule at yeah, GAC? I, I definitely would expect that. Are you hearing anybody opposing the, the rule changes? No, you know, it's funny. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people, Robert, and they often ask this question and I'm stuck saying no, but you know, my my standard answer is this. The bankers tend to be opposed to credit union regulation and, and or amendments to the rules. Um, we haven't seen a strong influx of of banker um, and trade, you know, in the bank trade associations with with negative opinions. But it's early. They may start to come at the end. Um, so I could see some negativity there. Uh, and then I think there will be some concern on the consumer ad, consumer, excuse me, advocacy side too. Uh, you know, a lot of consumer advocates will often take an opportunity when rules like these are being um, proposed and there's an opportunity to comment. They will often uh, want to comment. And I, I'm not saying this is wrong. It's it, but it, it, it's some it's sometimes a little out of left field. But they'll probably comment around things like fair lending and and consumer protection types of concerns. But as of as of late, I have not seen any, any negativity yet, and certainly not in the credit union space. Now, I would expect CFPB will weigh in with some opinion about this. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't guess what it is. I, I don't have that skill. The community bankers will come up with some wackadoodle thing about how this is evil and credit unions should be taxed. And we kind of know how that dance goes. That's right, yeah, it's gonna be, uh, you know, this is broadening. Credit unions will become more like banks and should be taxed. That's that's absolutely what they'll say. Um, the CFPB, I don't know if they'll weigh in officially. You know, they probably will have conversations with the NCUA, sort of interagency conversations potentially. Um, but in the same vein, you'll have the consumer advocacy groups. You know, again, advocating for maybe more more regulation of the fintech originators. I, you know, they've been pushing for that kind of thing already. Um, so you'll probably see more comments around in that area, you know, whether it's fair lending or AI bias or those kinds of things that you you tend to see in the marketplace right now. Are you advising uh, credit unions and or CUSOs to actually file comments in that comment period? There will be a link in the show notes to the NCUA comment page. 
Yes, absolutely. And with Nacuso, we created a sample comment. If anybody wants that, I can provide that to you, Robert, to put in the show links as well. And we are definitely recommending that credit unions and QSOs and fintechs comment. While the rule was passed in a three to three to zero vote at the NCUA board level, the proposal was passed that way. Um, you know, more comments and more uh, support for the rule, you know, through this process will help to get it finalized faster, I believe. I think if we see more comments from small credit unions and mid-sized credit unions, it will help to see it finalized. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm an NCOA. I expect Navy Federal to comment, you know, all the big guys. Of course, they got staff to do that. Whereas if a $50 million credit union sends in a comment, I'm going to say, what the heck? How'd this happen? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's that's great. And, And again, the comment period ends on February 28th. So it's a pretty short window from today. But uh, but I, I definitely recommend anybody and everybody that sees the value in this in this rule uh, that they comment and, and talk about how it will positively affect their institution. And you're providing draft comments. So you know, it's, it gets you started on writing your own comments. Correct. Yes. You can use our draft. We always we always say as a, you know, as a rule, it's good to add in um, personal aspects to that comment that apply specifically to your institution. But really, if it is just submitting our sample with your signature, it's still additional support for a rule that we think will be will be a, a very big benefit for the industry. So, Kirk, what's going to get more fintechs involved in this? At its core, there's a challenge of how, how do we I think most of the fintechs that work with credit unions today accidentally stumble into the industry and kind of go down that road. I don't think we've done much as an industry to kind of aggregate and and outwardly reach out to a bunch of fintechs and say, here's the types of things we can be doing as an industry to work with that you could be doing to work with credit unions. Here's some of the problems we need you guys to solve. Here's some of those kind of things. And I think uh, I think that's a a great topic for us to consider a VIP live and, you know, figure out how do we actually, you know, C2's got a, you know, three, 4,000 people on its FinTech list these days. So maybe that's something we need to intentionally, you know, be more overt about to say, Hey, we're open and ready. We figured out these problems. You know, it's, it's a lot easier. That's a great market for FinTechs. I mean, community banks for yeah. the most part are actually more laggard about technology than credit unions are. Yeah. yeah. And the big banks already have this stuff covered. They don't need you. They're going to build their own. And I would say, you know, if you're talking to the fintechs, Kirk, I I would say with regard to this rule, try to focus on how they want to work with with credit unions in a more robust fashion and bring credit union members back into the credit union industry. But the rules as they are today make it too difficult to do that at times. And this will certainly make it easier. Totally agree. Yeah, I've, I've talked to small credit unions that have not given mortgages and whatnot to members because they were just too big. Whereas this is you know, nothing wrong with the member's credit. The institution just didn't want that liability on its books. And this thing really is potentially a massive game changer for small credit unions. Yeah. Agreed. And I just hope they realize that, that this is not just for Navy Federal. Navy Federal actually doesn't need this probably. No, but, I don't even know that they... You know, you mentioned them. I, I would guess that this is almost below their radar as well. Uh, you know, there were Navy Federal, and my guess is more worried about like usury rate caps and the like that 
you know, at the NCUA rather than uh, rather than being able to sell loans. Uh, Pentagon has been pretty active in selling loans. I, I don't see any evidence that Navy has been. Yeah, exactly. Alliant and Pen and PenFed, I think, are two good examples of credit unions that have have been able to capitalize on the fintech markets, and this is going to free up some of those loans to be sold uh, downstream to mid and small sized credit unions for sure. So, what prompted NCUA to do this, and what prompted it now? Well, I think that it's coming. Um, predominantly from uh, board member Hood's office, but um, but I think the agency in general, uh, you know, this this the staff at the agency were who had who drafted this proposal, so they saw it as an issue internally as well, um, and it's really coming from feedback from credit unions in the industry saying, look, these are the, these things, and from years of feedback, not just you know a couple of weeks, a couple of months, it's years of feedback to the agency saying, look, th these are areas where we could really help to make credit unions more, more competitive in the marketplace to keep their members internally. And so I, I really, uh, in many ways, applaud the agency for taking this lead. NACUSO has definitely advocated for this. I've also worked with groups of credit unions individually and, and, and advocating to the board for things like this. And so, um, you know, I really do applaud them for listening and, and taking the uh, initiative. Well, participation's been happening for some time, but it's been more or less informal, ad hoc. You, you get on the phone and you call up six buddies who are CEO saying, hey, you want a piece of this? I think NCOA is trying to make this process a bit more formal and also a bit more democratic, making it a bit more open to other institutions. Yeah, I think that's right. Nothing really to dislike about it, I think. although. Well, I'm always skeptical of government regulations. You know, what's the hidden thing that I'm not seeing? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, unintended consequences are always a concern. And so certainly we, we've reviewed this to try and determine what those are as best as possible. But uh, but the, the beauty of this is that, you know, I, I, I'm also skeptical of, of government regulation. The, the beauty of this, though, is that it really is at its core sort of limiting or, or removing some of the government regulation through amendments. So that's a good thing. Now, Kirk, do you see a bigger or smaller role for CUSOs in this? Um, I, you know, I think it depends on CUSO, on the CUSO. I, I think what's starting, what you'll see is there's, there's CUSOs that are already kind of actively working in this area, and this will encourage more of those because I think at its core, when you're trying to just collaborate credit union to one credit union to multi-credit unions, sometimes the QSO in between where it can have its own staffing can really focus on the business plan on its own really, really helps um, because frankly, you get distracted when you're at the credit union, you have multiple roles, all those kind of things. And so I do think, you know, there'll be a lot of QSOs that step into this and this will be an important part of distribution and kind of making it work economically. Well, they have to see that there's an opportunity for them in this. And as you indicated right now, it's not clear that many of them grasp that. Yeah. Hopefully, CU2 can do something to raise awareness among fin uh, fintechs and QZOs that there are opportunities here. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly part of our core mission. And hopefully somebody will listen to this podcast and say, I got to learn more about this. I know people listen to it because they always I get weird questions back about your <laughs> podcast. 
<laughs> good, good. I, I'm, weird questions are a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, that means I'm doing something right. So basically, you guys are happy with the proposed rule more or less as it sits and are urging credit unions to file comments by February 28th. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, please bring those, get those comments in. Exactly. More the barrier. Before we go, think hard about how you can help support this podcast so we can do more interviews with more thoughtful leaders in the credit union world. What we're trying to figure out here in these podcasts is what's next for credit unions. What can they do to really, really, really make a difference in the financial scene? Can't all be mega banks, can it? It's my hope it won't all be mega banks. It'll always be a place for credit unions. That's what we're discussing here. So figure out how you can help. Get in touch with me. This is rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. Robert McGarvey again. That's rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. Get in touch. We'll figure out a way that you can help. We need your support. We want your support. We thank you for your support. The CU 2.0 Podcast.